Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us. Hello, folks. We're at it again. We got uh, JT Money. Hello. Reese Argo, Mr. Reese Argo. Hello. And Mr. Johnny Evans here. Uh, welcome to Music Seeds, the uh, music that made us. First off, we're going to talk about something that we discussed in our last uh, podcast together, but this time we're going to expand on it a little bit. We're going to talk about our top 10 soundtracks, um, something that uh, we've been really wanting, wanting to do, and it's not going to be ranked, it's just going to be basically we're going to be throwing out to you guys what are some of our favorite soundtracks. And um, I'm going to start off with a big one here. I'm going to go, because we talked about this actually at the, the end of the last podcast, is how much music influences movies. And sometimes if the music wasn't in the movie, it'd probably be a whole different kind of movie. And this one in particular would be a whole different movie if it didn't have the soundtrack into it, and that'd be Forrest Gump. Yes. Yeah. Forrest Gump was able to expand music all the way from like the beginning of rock and roll all the way up into like the 80s. I believe, I think that's where they stopped. They actually even have people that are of music origin in the movies. They had Elvis Presley and uh, John Lennon. I own that soundtrack. Do you guys have that one? I had no, it on CD as a kid, yeah. You still own the movie. Yeah, it's a classic. I, it is a classic. They had the anniversary, I think, last year for that. Oh, 25th, be, probably. 20, well, it came out in 94, so it would have been like 27, so it might have been like a year or two ago that it would have been. An anniversary one. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen that movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, so the first time I saw it, it blew me away. Like the music, I was like, I'm a music lover. And, that, and that's just kind of theater going wow. And that just kind of gets me to speaking like to a larger extent, like the way movies have gone lately, where you, these random movies are just winning Best Picture, but they don't have the box office appeal that Forrest Gump did. That was like one of the last real, like, 250 million dollar box office Oscar winning film. Like today, it's just so hard to find a film True. that can do everything that film did. Oh. Like. Tom Hanks winning for Philadelphia one year and then winning the next year again for Forrest Gump. Like, if I think he won both Best Actor both years and mm-hmm. both films won Best Picture. So what year did that come out? Was that 93? 93 was Philadelphia, and then 94 was... Was Forrest Gump. Yeah, and I think 95 would have been like a pile 13, but I don't think that won Best Picture. I think yeah. it lost to Brave. And then he had cast year. away after that, too. Yeah. Which was really it was like 2000, yes. Yeah. So. I love everything about that soundtrack, though, Forrest Gump. I mean, my favorite part of that, that movie was probably when he was running, because... That's when they had like a this, like a lot of the seventies rock and stuff like yeah that's Fleetwood Mac and Doobie Brothers and that's why I had it on my notes because I figured like in disclosure we were gonna try and rank him I thought and then now mm-hmm. we're here but like I had it number three on my top ten was myself and mm-hmm. I said standout tracks I tried to pick a couple moments that made the soundtrack uh-huh. but I said right here uh, running on empty and go your own way when forced to do in the running scene across the United States he's also doing like on the road again too by Willie yeah, Nelson exactly. it's all kind of well and this might make me really young but uh, running on empty was the first time I ever heard of Jackson Brown really it's actually in that film yeah holy cow I was like wow this is a great song I'm like who's this guy you know, like, <laughs> dug into but yeah that, my parents made me watch that film and I you know, didn't really care but I, I found out I was like this is a very good film you know yes a lot of it because I was born that year so and funny what's funny about it too is that that was one of the toughest things for them to do was to get the music for the soundtrack. There's a documentary now on Netflix um, called The Movies That Made Us. They really had a lot of trouble getting licensing for it. And um, Tom Hanks and uh, Robert, Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis end up backing the movie up with their own money and said, hey, we're going to pay for this movie 
but we want a percentage, obviously, of the movie now if we're, we're going to be backing it up. But that was how much they were passionate about that project because they wow. kept on wanting to shut it down. They, they were filming all over the place. There was a lot of things that had a lot of struggles getting that movie made. Getting the soundtrack the way they wanted it just for that movie was one of them. You'd think that, you know, having your song in a major motion film, and I, Hanks was big enough at that time, you know, you'd mm -hmm. think you'd want your song, because especially if it's 20 years old, I, I mean, I know you have mm -hmm. all the record companies and stuff that, yeah. but you'd that's, think it'd bring it to a wider audience, so you'd be all in for that's it, the thing, though, that's, it's all money, I get it. Yeah, that was the thing with the record companies, like, they want their piece, they still do, yeah. Yeah. it's like, it's, but then I understand it's, art, it. it's artist integrity, too, because... True. One of the biggest bands out there that won't license their stuff up just to anybody is like Led Zeppelin. They will not let stuff in movies apparently read before because they didn't like the movie or they were... Like, which is fair enough. One of the first yeah. notable ones, like a, probably more of your generation, would be like School of Rock. Jack Black True. literally sounded like a video of him begging him and they, then they put an immigrant song in that movie. Like, because there's not many movies that have any Zeppelin in it. Yeah, the only one I can think of is the... Was it Thor? The only one that really was able to do it because he was friends with them was Cameron Crowe. Oh. Almost famous, remember? Yeah, they, had, right. they had some Led Zeppelin songs in there. Yeah, he, he was one of the first to kind of break that barrier for them. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I get it. Yeah. I mean, it's artists, it's their choice at the end of the day. Yes, it is. I mean, because so. some people, I'm trying to use the words, will just do anything and you see their songs everywhere and you know true we, we, we yeah, just, you don't want to just gonna say they whore, they whore themselves out that's what, yeah, 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 yeah you don't want to diminish your art I but, mean we're not they're not all kiss you know kiss would <laughs> they probably wanted their kiss logo on the album true yeah. yeah what did you pick what one that you okay had? number 10 not really a soundtrack per se because it's more composure and composition would be uh kind of a twofer because i found this out listening to these two movies how close they were it was the same composer the shining and clockwork orange just how like menacing the music can be like uh -huh. builds up like film, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's all like synth it's just really like jarring to hear like some of those scenes you know yeah. Jaws, I, you know I, I that's what i was thinking i was compiling this too is like a great score and i thought like halloween it's distinct when you hear that song mm -hmm. I feel like I didn't even tap into a whole other branch. Exactly. Of I know, but that's why it's hard to rank. But I mean, that's why I would have put it lower on my list, just because it fits the movie, but as a, as a whole soundtrack, it's not something I could just listen to driving. Yeah. Or yeah. yeah it's just, if you are, it might be a little concerned. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, true. This is my happy But I also mean, like, like singing in the rain in Clockwork Orange, if you know that scene, yes. that's kind of really infamous. Like, And the whole purpose it was even used in the movie was that that was the only song Malcolm McDowell knew all the words to. So, wow. like, you're having a scene to, like, I'm going to leave it to you if you've seen the movie or haven't seen the movie, yes. but it's a very unsettling scene where you start singing the song. And, yeah, that's just how that came about. So that could have been any song. And those are both Stanley Kubrick movies. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah, it was a composer, uh, Wendy Carlos. For both. Her. Yeah. Like I said, because like, they, they sound similar, but it's like yeah. I didn't know like the whole... It's like the opening of The Shining and like the opening of Clockwork Orange both have that real kind of... I mean, yeah, those are both really unsettling movies. I think the music kind of just yeah. drives that point. Sure. It made me think of Jaws right off the bat. It's like, yeah, music to that movie impacted that movie 100%. So did Halloween with John Carpenter doing the score to the to Halloween movies. And I believe that's John Williams, right? Yeah, John Williams, man. I mean, the guy's the, the king the of composers. Yeah. yeah, like what he would do for the Star goat. Wars, just yes. like yeah. everything like that. So, yeah. but the goat, the guy that I mean, 
I'm sure we can go down that rabbit hole with John Williams. I mean, he did Star Wars. He did Indiana Jones. He's done so many movies. And that's actually, when I was ranking my number one was Jurassic Park. Wow, there you go. That's my go-to. Yeah. When I was growing up, I watched that movie, I don't know how many times. Probably shouldn't have been watching it as a young kid, but go-to for me. <laughs> it came, out, it came out like right when I was getting out of fifth grade, so it was kind of like, it was one of those ones where it was kind of the sweet spot, but there was some pretty and intense stuff going on. And was, yeah. And I was a young adult. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, John. That was another, what, 93, so another 93, early 90s. Yeah score there but well he had a back to back thing with that both with Spielberg he had back to back movies and back to back score with John Williams and that was Schindler's List was the other movie which I believe that was an Oscar winner yeah Yeah, I was going to say that was an Oscar winner like uh, Liam Neeson yeah so he had basically had the biggest commercial release of his life and he had the biggest award-winning movie of his life. You know what's so time. crazy about it? And I was I, st- I was playing some of it earlier. I can't even imagine Jurassic Park without that score now. Or, you know, some of these films, it's like, I don't know if I could imagine Jaws without John Williams' score of that. Yeah. Like, even if it was like a somewhat menacing thing, like, I don't know if it would be as big of a movie as it is without the... Everybody knows the dun Done you know what I mean? Like, well, to their yeah. benefit too, they it's get to awesome. they get to see the movie for anyone else to get to compose around the scene. I couldn't imagine coming and being oh, here's right. this. Now you need to fit your scenes around me. True, that would I be. Mean, that's kind of the thing. Like when you're like a songwriter, like here's a song, throw it somewhere in the movie it belongs. Versus you being that's true. So what you have you seen the reboots? And does the reboots have the original like theme music from it? Yeah, I believe it's different. But they kind of keep the same element. Yeah. So it's it still has like the main homage. Yeah, yeah. It kind of pays homage to it, but yeah. you can tell it. They probably can't yeah, have only, the same. For, I've only seen the yeah. first one, you know. I just kind of. Yeah, that's the best one. The, 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 the it doesn't get DOG with like Samuel oh, okay. L. Jackson and yes. Wayne Knight and yeah, Wayne Knight. it's <laughs> yes. Newman. See, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. So I mean, that ties me into like made me think about something else I don't have on this list here, and that's Ghostbusters, man. I Those almost would have thought about and something like that, but that's yeah. that's another one. Just there's no real like except the end, like the ghosts are tower. I mean, like anytime they have like the strings in your orchestration, it's all like happy yes. and well, it has like such that. a great score to it because. If you think about it, like the emotions of like Bill Murray, crazy stuff that was happening, they used the music to play the mood of the character and stuff. You oh, know, yeah, that's right. you know when he was like when he walks into her place and the music's playing in the background, but he does a little thing with the piano and then it play it kind of plays with the tempo of that movie. Just the score was definitely playing into the characters too. Yeah, and that when did that movie come out? Eighty four. Eighty four. Okay. And yeah, then like the sequel came out in eighty nine. Like eighty nine, like that was one of the first movies I remember actually going to the theater to see. Yeah. And the movie was okay, but the first one will always be yeah. the best. Well, because the one in 84 was PG-13, almost like soft R, uh-huh. and they had to make it friendly, because like at that time they... Because it was actually Giant Remembers, like you may have seen it too, but they had like the Ghostbusters cartoons, so they wanted to kind of capitalize on getting kids to go in, so they had to make it... That's yeah. right. I do remember that. They it's like, cartoon. I mean, I love the cartoon, but I mean, it came out like 89, so they tried to make elements of the movie more like the cartoon, yeah. like, where Slimer wasn't a... Bad guy. He Imagine was, watching that movie though as a kid. Yeah, like the, like the beginning of the movie, and then like the parts with the freaking gargoyles, and you probably would have had to been at least. It was pretty. Yeah. <laughs> you, I'm sure kids were having nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had nightmares over the dumbest films when I was younger, so I can imagine back then. Uh, I guess pick something from your list there. What do you got? My my second one, Space Jam. Okay. I'm going to go with my ones I grew up with because they just stick yeah. in my head. Space Jam was like... Yeah, it's because you're a big R. Kelly fan, right? Yeah. VHS, <laughs> baby. I used to watch that all the time. Hey, <laughs> R-, R. Kelly had some great songs in the night. That song still holds up to this day, man. Probably, to me, sent Michael Jordan into literally the stratosphere. He was already yeah. like a humongous icon, but I think Space Jam 
took him into literally everywhere. Like, you could yes. not see Michael Jordan at that point. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, he rattles off three more championships. He was a brand name, man. He's around the world, and... He was becoming, like, kind of, in, a, in an essence, the king of all media at that point. Yeah, you got to watch The Last Dance if you haven't seen that documentary. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That'll tell you the sheer size of Michael Jordan. I mean, we're pretty spoiled living where we are because, like, we knew Jordan from, like, day one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, he was always, like, a, a legend here. I mean, yes. even exposes people on the other on the other coast. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is yeah. who this guy is. Yeah. Next, I would say it's, it was his star maker here yeah yeah you got to remember at, at that time you you had a lot of because you know patrick ewing on the knicks that a lot of kids in new york that's who they're idolizing is yeah. their michael jordan because that was after he came back from his yes first retirement first year so yeah. but he was worldwide known too i mean you've yeah. watched that like you said the last dance he was he was a name brand for his that. shoes yeah. you know. were at that point were so besides r kelly um i know seal was on there with fly like an eagle what else? What other songs? Do you remember any other songs that were on? Oh, and you know the guy that produced that "Fly Like an Eagle" is Mark Ronson. That was his first really production. Did not know that. Yeah, I remember listening to a podcast about a month ago. He was talking about his first producing job. They're like, "Okay, we're going to give you this project with Seal. We want you to do a song with him," and that's what they did. Well, I remember being super naive and thinking that that was the original. And he goes like, "Wow, that's a great song." And then so I was like. This is oh, another band. Yeah, made that sound <laughs> like, like, like anybody who listens to like "All on the Watchtower" by Hendrix, like finding, oh my God, it was written by Bob Dylan. Yeah, true. Yeah, or even like, a Dave Matthews fan now could say that. You yeah, know, like for the longest time, had no time. idea that there was two other previous versions of it. You know. Yeah, but your uh, number two. Well, I, I'm all over the place. I went with my number ten first, which I'm going to go now. I'm going to go into my number one. My number one is High Fidelity. Yeah, you <laughs> love yeah. that film. Yeah. You always say that film. That, that is my favorite movie of all time. My favorite book of all time, and mm-hmm. and I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack's really good. It has a good depiction of the character and like the different genres of music. I mean, you got everything from like Stevie Wonder to Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen punk music you know it's like it's all over the place all over the board I, I recommend it highly but the book obviously talks about different music so if you ever read the book there's a lot of different music that's mentioned in that book which is really cool too also I could go down a John Cusick rabbit hole with yeah. this because he had other great soundtracks to boot he had Gross Point Blank which has a great soundtrack to it he had Say Anything, which has a great soundtrack to it. Which I would have expe- I expected just because I know you like it's on Peter his, Gabriel. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I love Peter Gabriel, but I love I love that soundtrack also because it's Cameron Crowe. That was Cameron Crowe's first movie, and it was his first soundtrack movie. What year is that? 1989. So. It was 89? Yeah, but I mean, wow. Cameron Crowe Crow did writing because uh, I don't think I had it on my list. I should have added it as my honorable mentions, but but he, but he actually wrote, because he actually wrote Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That was his memoirs of, like, going undercover yes, to high school. I mean, that was 82, yeah. so, so he had probably a career writing, but, like, his first notable, like, he directed release would have probably been saying. But, but Fast Times at High, you got that soundtrack. Yeah, that's another. Speaking of Jackson Brown, the Go-Go's, the Cars, I mean, there's a lot of people on that soundtrack, a lot of big 80s music, and that music wouldn't be that movie wouldn't be the same either if the music wasn't in there because it starts out with we got the beat from the go-go yeah. and that's how the movie kicks right off there's a Led Zeppelin song in that movie because that was Cameron Crowe mm-hmm. but it's not on the soundtrack see because they can get the rights for the soundtrack yeah. I didn't know that yeah it's the, the part song? it's the part when they're in the car it's oh, um, yeah but uh, yeah it's cashmere cashmere yeah it's yeah. cashmere yeah. and then they do uh... but that was his first and the only reason why, because Cameron Crowe, for all you don't know, we've talked about, I think maybe in a previous podcast, is because he used to write for Rolling Stone, and he was able to interview Led Zeppelin, which was part of like his connection to them, because he was kid interviewing you know, all these That's bands. That's awesome. And a little side note to uh, Cashmere. Uh-huh. First time I ever heard that song was the Matthew Broderick Godzilla 
soundtrack. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome! I like, I love this beat. Yeah, yeah. of course I'm mean, digging that. No, but oh. I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, it 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 dates us versus you, but but also it just is kind of if it's a way to get you into exploring sure. the music. Right, right. Like, exactly. you know how many like hip hop like samples out here? Like, that sounds familiar. I've heard that song before somewhere, and it's like oh, yeah. they're just go down a run and run the MC rabbit hole, man. You'd be surprised uh, how many samples they use from rock band. Bella Soul were like the kings of it, though. Yeah. So. Well, and also was a tribe called Quest, and Q-Tip was a music connoisseur when it came to that stuff, man. So I think today we're getting that with like Questlove trying to kind of carry that on. But I mean, the Roots still do their own thing, but I think Questlove still kind of he likes the DJ and stuff. He likes to kind of keep it. And I think that's probably the majority, I'd say, film. And then secondly, you know, video games growing up. Mm-hmm. I was in the era where game soundtracks became a huge thing. Yeah. And I think that probably introduced me to the majority of the music I what's ended the, up finding. What's the video game soundtrack? Then? Halo. Halo? Okay. Yep. Which is, it's uh, Martin O'Donnell. He created the, it's literally just like strings in a choir. Uh-huh. There's no like super composure going on but it is like the most iconic sound if anybody knows halo they they know the yeah everybody does the soundtrack with their mouth but <laughs> i'm not gonna do it oh come on no 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 no, no. yeah that, I mean, that, that, you know, that's a big one there i mean that have they made a movie with that yet they've made a couple like little side movies but they never made like a big motion, motion picture i don't know why because it, okay. it had such a huge following, probably. Yeah. And that they tear it apart if it didn't get made right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because it was it's probably the biggest game ever. Yeah. Like, literally, it's ever came well, out. Well, besides, whatchamacallit, um, World of Warcraft? Well, yeah, yeah. I should say console video okay. game ever. Because computer games, there's probably like seven there. But <laughs> Did you mention any other video game soundtracks? Or you Grand Theft Auto, yeah. San Andreas. Yeah. When I that, was a, that was a big one, too. I mean, I would yeah. never thought they had it. Or was that... 80s, no, 70s, 80s, everything. 90s, everything. Yeah. So it was like, the way the game was set up, and I know a lot of people know Grand Theft Auto, it's kind of like free world. Yeah. And you get to jump in cars, and wherever you jump in the car, it has radio stations. So uh-huh. you get to, like, choose what you want. So it was pretty cool. You listen to the state. They have little snippets like DJs, so then you... Did you ever it listen? It sounds just like you listen to the radio. Did you ever listen to The Dust? Yeah, DS? that's exactly what it is. And do you know who the DJ is? Is it Axel Rose? Yes, it yes. is. Yes, like, that's what it, I thought. It's like dude, people like that doing like... Like, he never says his name's Axel Rose. He plays like some... He actually might be using like his real name, like yeah. William Rose, or yeah. something like those lines. Because huh. they took some out of like the PS3 version. I have like the old school PS2 somewhere. They had like Rage. They had Faith No More. So wow. like, I mean, this game was set like 1992, 93. It, it, and then it, they had another came out during that time. No, 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 no. 2005 is when. Oh, but the, but the game was yeah. set. I got you. Yeah, and then they, and then they have uh, like America doing like Horse of No Name. That's kind of like a real one. Tom Petty running. That's where I first heard that song. That's what I'm saying. Three quarters of these songs, I was like, this is a killer song a horse yeah. with no name well, you, you can hear it over and over had, like, and over yeah. again too but then yeah. they had like Joe Cocker doing probably like the sample like he would probably recognize immediately like woman to woman did that for California Love by Tupac like yes. they took that no. sample had uh, uh, Vice, Vice City after and they were like huge. they knew just that was all 80s and I'm sure like those record companies could have been like give us 2% of whatever you make and they're just like sure give it to you like because they know that's going to be like billions it, like yeah. So am I going to give you like $2 million I'm making $15 billion on this game? Go ahead, take your $2 million and yeah. I got your song. It's mm-hmm. like exactly. they know they're making their money back on Grand Theft Auto is like, they take like about six to eight years to make these games rock stars. Yeah, they yeah I know more of that. So they take forever to make it, but it's well done every time when it comes out. They're a game that people look forward to playing. Like yeah. Any Grand Theft Auto At, at this point, we're not going to get a new one for like another 20 years. I think the they last can get one. away with some of that stuff today, too. 
I'm sure some of those games wouldn't be able to come out. Even the last one came out in, what, 2013? 2013. GTA V? Yeah. And they still have that game as, like, one of the most popular streaming games. People play for it online. They pay all the money to play the story through, listen to the music. I don't know how many times I would play that game. Just get in a car and literally just drive and just listen to the soundtrack. Do do this when you go home, like, look up, like, Running Down a Dream or, like, look Uh up Horse No Name on YouTube. Two or three hundred counts where people are like, this gives me vibes like driving through the desert in GTA. Yes. Like, that's how people are introduced to this music. So, uh, pick one, JT. What do you got? I got another twofer just because, obviously, same composer, same everything, and it ties in because it's really two parts of a trilogy. Godfather 1 and 2. I mean, oh, wow. here, Francis Ford Coppola actually had his father do some of the composing uh-huh. along with... The Nino, yeah, yeah, Nino Rota, who was an Italian composer, apparently was the one, but his father, Carmine, helped. And uh, there's a Carmine grandson named Robert Carmine who's in a pretty famous band yeah. called Rooney. Oh, wow. And then another grandson is in another movie we're going to mention, uh, Jason Schwartzman. Oh, his, yes. his grandfather, his uncle is Francis Ford Coppola, yes. and his mom is Talia Shire, who's in the movies. You've, seen, you've both seen The Godfather, right? Of course. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Music suits every that scene. Movie, yes. That music makes the movie too. I mean, yeah. it's none of those movies. It's like both those movies are three, three and a half hours long, but they don't feel that long just because the music is constantly uh-huh. moving moving the plot along. It ties it in all together, you know? It definitely does. It's one of those films you have to see. Yes. The Godfather is yeah. like a. I can matter your age. I, I think it'd be hard, though, because. The attention span of some people, that movie is long. Yeah, All those movies is. are long. Yeah, but if you long. sit down and watch, like I said, the way the music is composed throughout, though, it moves. You never feel like the movie's dragging at any point. Yeah. There, there might be a few moments here and there when you watch it. Once you watch it through once, like, I need to pay attention to things I missed the first time. But yeah. it never feels three or three and a half hour film. No, I can it's throw great, it on. Really well done. I yeah. can throw it on all of a sudden. It's like, oh, wow, there, there's three hours that yeah. have gone. Well, the third one, I, it was a little bit harder for me to watch, i got to be honest. The third movie, if it was just released on its own, like a Goodfellas or Casino, yeah. it would have been fantastic. Yeah. I think if you're comparing it to something that's so great, yes. it's like... Sequels yes. are tough. Yeah. Especially yeah. when like, they have something so I mean, the good. God, the Godfather 2 is arguably better than the original. It doesn't happen off that way. Yeah. That said, if one and two are like nine and nine and a half stars out of ten, three would probably be seven or seven and a half. Well, and I'd say kind of to that extent, like you're saying, you know, it's a very long movie. And I could just be an old person by now. I don't know. But like The Patriot <laughs> for me mm-hmm. is a movie that, and that's John Williams as well. It's another like honorable mention for me. But that film's long. That's like two hours and 40 minutes. I never feel when I watch that movie, I'm like, oh man, here's another scene. You know, I am. I love that film. It might be my favorite film of all time. I would say a movie that was like, over the line to me and so be to this day would be Titanic. That movie just drags on. Yeah, I agree. It, it, I think they said it took the actual boat less time to sink than the actual movie <laughs> last. Well, John, you got to worry about it. Your, your life will go on. Oh, there you go. Not, 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 not I would, but I, that's one thing, too. Like, the Titanic when I was younger is like, you had to watch it. But yeah, I, everybody I remember it, yeah. just waiting. I'm like, please get to the part where the boat breaks and tips. You know, and for me, when they're that the young, drama, the drama, the drama. I watch a love it was, story. Yeah, yeah, I think he, it was just so was, ma- yeah. I think it was just so maudlin. I mean, it was like a product of its time. Even though it was set in 1912, it's like 96, 97. I mean, the movie came out in sure. late 1997. So it's, it's just James Cameron, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had a question. You were, you mentioned this. I was kind of wondering if if you had this written down on your list because I just totally. Th- thought about it and wish I would have thought about it a little bit more was that you mentioned Jason Schwartzman so did you put Rushmore down? I did. What I like about it, yeah. Well, let's I, talk I, about it because it's in my head yeah. and I, I can't let go. I keep on thinking of the because the, <laughs> yeah. the Who are you know in there and what's the song by the Who that's in there? Oh, uh, Quick One While He's Away. And that I can't think of that movie without that song. That's right because I had like that's some of my uh, standout scenes because also speaking of like composers within the framework of an actual soundtrack would be uh, 
Mark Mothersbaugh. Do you know who he is? Mm-mm. From Devo? Oh, oh my gosh. I didn't realize that was... Yeah, the Devo's lead yeah. singer. Yeah, exactly. uh, Rugrats and then uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse, which is another oh, thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Like, so you can kind of hear, like, we has like, the harpsichord. Like, we needed a uh, Royal Tannenbaum, same kind of thing. Like, the whimsy. But then he also just knows how to, like, score the... Royal Tannenbaum. Yeah, Wes Anderson and yeah. his soundtracks, man. Like, like, Making Time by Creation was one. That's just, like, the opening scene, like, when you get to... Mm-hmm. Meet Max Fisher. Uh, a quick one while he's away. Uh, Is Max Fisher your idol? <laughs> he, he, he could be. I mean, I do yeah, look yeah, like him yeah, with yeah, the yeah, heavily yeah. bearded. Right now, but yeah, uh, yeah. ooh la la by the faces at the end of that oh, movie. Wow! Like I forget yeah. that, that I forget that that was in there every time. It's and then, a great uh, soundtrack. Man. I'm glad you have that. And one. then uh, there's one like as we were recording this uh, a couple days after the passing of one of its members. Yeah. The Rolling Stones' "I Am Waiting" was in this movie too. Yeah. Charlie Watts, of course, had right. passed away a couple days ago. I mean, just a real yeah. kind of. I also mentioned here. I mean, I think Wes Anderson, along with like Kevin Smith, are probably the best. Like, I would say alternative because they, they don't make stuff for the mainstream. But yeah, I mean, Wes is one of those people everybody wants to work with. That is an actor, an actor's actor. I mean, this yeah, new one, Bill, alone, like Bill Murray, this new one has like twenty famous actors in this new Wes Anderson movie that's coming out. He's like, really? like, Bill, like, like Bill Murray is in his speed dial. Like, you can't yeah. get Bill Murray to give you the time of day if you're most other directors. Like, <laughs> Wes Anderson calls him up. He's like, yeah, I'll do it. Like, he yeah. just. But his soundtracks in general for yeah. his movies are amazing. Obscure pop or rock music. You know? He's the he's the music snob, but he's not a snob about it. Like he just or as a friend of mine would say, elitist, a music elitist. Makes tasteful choices. Like yes. he like he'll pick things that should go on the scene, but he'll pick somebody like it. Like mm-hmm. he's picking the Beatles when some people pick the Stones. Like same kind of sounding song, but he goes with. Well, that's what I'm going to mention yeah. here. I'm just going to get into it. That's why I feel like Cameron Crowe is really good at picking music that goes in the scenes. If you see Vanilla Sky, I can't think of Radiohead not being in that movie. I mean, Radiohead plays an intricate part in that soundtrack to that movie with with their music. He is able to do that with his soundtracks. So if you look at Jerry Maguire, I mean, Alone has some great songs that are really important parts of that movie. If you look at even at um, Elizabethan Town, and that that has a great soundtrack too. But the one soundtrack they're actually going to be bringing out, like a 25th anniversary of it on vinyl, is almost famous. So they're going to be re-releasing everything that was the music in that movie now. They didn't do it before when that album came out. They couldn't get the rights to it. Now that movie is so huge mm-hmm. and has such a big following and has such a big audience that they're going to do this whole vinyl special edition with every song, including Led Zeppelin songs. I mean, everything's wow. going to be on it, including the outtake of them in the bus doing Tiny Dancer. Really? Yes. It's oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. And then they just reissued, I'm look, waiting for it to come in, is, because uh, I have a subscription to Rolling Stone, is they did the actual Rolling Stone reissue of that whole, like the actual magazine of Stillwater on it, with all the articles and stuff in yeah, it. Yeah, I kind of I read that a little. Uh-huh. I, I think they had a sip on it, or at least give me like what the article is, it was written by the character in that movie. My favorite part in that movie is like, she goes, look underneath your bed, what you find will set you free. And it's all those records. You know, I mean, he, she goes, yeah. he goes through all those records. and I mean, I have about half of those records in my record collection. That music to that, that movie is such an, an important, like Forrest Gump, part of that movie. That kid, who is actually Cameron Crowe, I mean, the movie is actually, he, he combined all the interviews that he had with different musicians, whether it was with the Allman Brothers, Led Zeppelin, Leonard Skinner. Uh, I, I could go on and on, all the, the people he interviewed, but he combined all those interviews to make... Stillwater, that group. So he takes certain things and he puts it in the movie. You listen to that movie as much as you watch that movie. I mean, them all singing Time to Dancer together. Yeah. I mean, 
I can't think of you guys. I mean, I, I sing along with it when it's on there mm. too because I love that fucking song so much in that movie. There's so many great parts. Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace. Fucking Iggy Pop. He's like, you know, yeah. there's, there's so, so many great parts about music in that movie that my good friend, Cindy, that's her favorite movie. And so that was something that connected to us is that this soundtrack is an amazing soundtrack, but this movie is an amazing movie because it's about a group of people that are in love with music. And that's what's so great about this movie. Yeah, and it's that one line, like when he asked like Russell in the interview, like, what's the thing you love most about music? And he says everything. You know, it's uh-huh. just like that's kind of what you have to yeah. view. I mean, some people either get music or they don't. I mean, you can be kind of in the middle of the road, but I think if you, somebody has to ask you, what do you truly love about music? You just got to say, everything is probably the easiest answer. I mean, yeah. I think, like, I don't know how I could distill, like, by like melody one day or I like lyricism the other. Like, what am I doing? You know? I think it's like a human emotion, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's like music. I think we're just hardwired with it as soon as we're born so it's kind of like you can't avoid it because it's everywhere i mean every commercial you watch everywhere you go you well, gotta some hear people, music some, so some people like are this. were better about shutting it out though like true mm-hmm. like we where we worked like a certain song would play and like you just literally learn to shut it out but, i mean it wouldn't mean you shut out everything else like people in general could do that on a larger scale with music it's like they don't want to hear like new songs new melodies it's like other people are like that's immediately the first thing they're hearing it's like I could be listening to you guys talk right now. If I hear something in the background, I'm probably listening to that song more than I'd be listening to you two. Yeah. Oh, I see just, how it is. Okay. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's called the squirrel. I do the squirrel effect, too. But even with people with attention spans now, I mean, it's hard. You can skip through everything now. True. That's why I think we do enjoy vinyl so much, because it forces you to listen to the music, to actually listen to the music and not be like, okay, I'm just going to skip the next thing. I'm bored, you know? And I caught myself the other day. I was listening to a new album, and that was... Because it just, like skip me to a, a new album and then I was just like I went because now they have the option on Apple Music you can go straight to the album I was like I'll just listen to the album front to back and I was like then I'll get my true opinion on it I can't go I don't like that song that album's probably not worth my time I feel like I do that more often than if I were to you know I get a random song come up and then it's like okay let's dig into it and then mm-hmm. actually you know listen to that whole album and the next thing you know I'm like oh wow this is actually a great album it's just I didn't like that one song off it yeah. sometimes I don't know if you guys are this way, but I like the the deeper cuts on the album than the main hits. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, we well, t- talked about that with Journey and Escape yeah. and stuff like that. I remember that. But that's the thing that you guys. I mean, I I think that you might have like maybe even you, JT. I was forced to like have headphones and like have a record player and like cassette player and listen to my music that way because that was the only way I could jam out to my music without blaring the music and my parents getting pissed off at me. Mm-hmm. So I would put the headphones on and I would just be jamming out. So there's, 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 there's like a Mitch at the end of uh, Days of Computer. Yeah. <laughs> like rocking out his bed with like the... Yeah. Uh-huh. That's actually one of the films I have. That, I had that on mine too. I think, I think so, we all kind of have. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, just, a, it's a cult I wanted the, movie. Like what else in the Almost Famous I really love is that you know, his mom was so against all of that music, you know, like, there's a famous scene with Simon and Garfunkel, and she's pointing at... Like, their eyes are the, high. The, the, yeah. These guys are on dope, you know, like, these guys, you know, are on high. Well, I'm sure music definitely helped influence, uh, or sorry, I'm sure dope helped influence music quite a bit. I'm not going to take that away. I mean, a lot of those people were doing it during that time. If you, if you get a chance, people, just check out Almost Famous. I highly recommend it. It's got one of the best soundtracks and one of the best stories about music ever. 
and there's it's just a him. bunch of actual musicians in that movie, yeah. like who who also coordinated with it. I mean, you got Peter Frampton's in that movie. Yeah, he's the voice of Stillwater, pretty much. Well, not even that, but he was one of the roadies and yeah. in the in the scene. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, yeah, in the movie. Jimmy yeah. Fallon's, uh, Mark Maron, Mark like, Maron, like, uh, lock the gates. Yeah. <laughs> What's uh? Why am I blanking on her name? The main actress. Uh, oh, Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson. Hudson. Yeah. I don't know why. Who, uh, the Han's daughter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who has children with Chris Robinson and Matt Bellamy of uh, Muse and yeah. Black Rose. So she, 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 <laughs> opinion, but she loves music. And I think that goes to show, you know what I mean? That movie, I never get sick of it when I watch it. The reason I love it so much is because it is embodies what this whole podcast is to me. And it is that movie is about the love of music. It's about a group of people that have the love of the music and sometimes lose their way. And how that music kind of ties them back into, you know, that family, quote-unquote, okay. of friends. Have you seen the extended cut of it? Yes. Yeah, like where it's like an extra half hour longer, so you get more of the story fleshed out, and they have more music in it, too. Yes. So. And I, I just recommend that highly. So, what do you got? Into the Wild. There you go, Mr. Eddie Vedder. Yeah, I, uh, for me, that soundtrack was kind of, a, I guess, part of me growing up, in a sense. Like I told you, I, I was into all the, the grunge era music, started getting into that. And then when I found out he had, you know, written for that movie, I was like, oh, well, he did a soundtrack. i got to yeah. check this out. And the movie's good. And to have him and the music go with it, it's standalone, I would say. You can just listen to that album straight yeah. up. But it also is huge for that film, in my opinion. Yeah, and It makes that film. And that movie amplified the interest in that guy's life in that bus mm -hmm. they actually had to move the bus because people were going to go look for that bus and end up dying trying to find that bus oh, so gosh. they actually had to helicopter the the bus out of there and they moved it somewhere and now there's this memorial somewhere i'm not sure exactly where you'd have to look it up but ironically enough you know who directed that movie oh no sean penn oh okay and sense. now, Sean Penn and Eddie Vedder just did a new movie that's coming out called Flag Day mm -hmm. and has his daughter doing the vocals on it. I think it's Olivia is her name, Olivia Vedder. Yeah, and then Glenn Hanser, we were talking about that, mm -hmm. like, who's fantastic. I mean, I could have put one of his films in here. I tried to make it a rule, though. Because <laughs> I've, no, I've heard so many songs, but like, I didn't really want to make it the rule that, like, if I haven't seen the movie, you can't really oh, throw a soundtrack okay. on it. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, Glenn Hansard had a really well-known movie called Once, where he did an entire, like, award-winning soundtrack on yes. it. So... And he's sought after quite a bit, and he's good friends with Eddie. And yeah. He's, he's, he's awesome in concert. He's been like. with him on his solo tours a lot. Yeah. That's a definitely an important part he, for... Uh, he's more like the hippie Bono. Like, he's got all that... <laughs> the basically the hippie he's, Bono. But he's got all that, like, Bono swagger, but just more like the kind of guy who's going to have a beer with you at the pub, kind of. He did... Uh, I saw him at Lollapalooza. He played, like, in the rain. Like, he came out in the crowd for a little bit and played, and, like, he was... Just he, yeah, he did, like, Love Don't Leave Me Waiting. He did into, like, Respect. Like, he yeah. went into, like... So he's into the, into the Wild soundtrack or the new movie that's coming? A out? new one, the Flag Day. Yeah, I didn't realize that's what. I, I think that because I know like they have like a picture like him and Eddie Vedder. It's like, well, what's Glenn Hanser doing there? But he opened up at PJ Twenty, but I didn't get to see him because we didn't. Yeah. It was raining that day. We didn't want to get there and stand in the rain all the yeah. time. All right, what do you got, JT? Uh, let's see. This is like right smack in my high school days. I mean, I could have picked American Pie. I could have picked American <laughs> Pie too, but uh. No one can't hardly wait. So that's like pick this one. I think we talked about it like after our last podcast, like off air. But uh, literally, go home and watch this movie. I mean, we're already in somebody's home, but like telling this guy to go upstairs and watch yeah. this movie. It's ninety minutes, but like it's nonstop music. Like every scene has music playing yes. in it, and it's just everything from your nineties alternative, Buster Rhymes, the has replacements at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, and, like, Were you into the replacements and, before you watched the movie? Or no, what? like I've kind of gotten into them later as, as I've gotten older. Because like yeah. a mutual friend of you know Paul used to work at the place we work. He's in a band, like, and his lead singer loves the replacements. Yes. 
they were mm-hmm. like the band that launched REM, who kind of came at that same time. Mm-hmm. Like any I band know. that you would have on what they call college radio, like which is kind of a dead thing. And now. I gotta ask uh, you, do you know who the replacements are? No, you I mean who, I know you know who their lead singer is though, because you've listened to you got the lead singers in one of the soundtracks you listed there oh. singles, Paul Westerberg. Really, Paul Westerberg was uh, in the replacements. That. I mean. Yeah. He has somewhat of a solo, I mean, obviously way well-known more for being in The Replacements, yes. but it's... Oh, my... Yeah, but I mean... Oh, yeah. As much as, like, I would say that, like, American Pie kind of showed, like, being a teen in the late 90s, I think Can't Hardly Wait kind of showed, like, what everybody in all the scenes were, I mean. This is really, like, before nerds kind of, like, own the earth like they do now. <laughs> but, I mean, but the nerds are still kind of, like, the part of the jokes, like, when they would be out of high school dating supermodels and, like, they're making yeah. jokes like that. But, uh-huh. I mean, it... Can't hardly wait. Huh? I mean, it yes. has, like, a lot of, like, actors who kind of broke out, broke that out after that. I mean, yeah, uh, Seth, Seth Green, uh, great Jennifer Love Hewitt, Ethan, Ethan Embry, who was pretty well known for a while, uh, Peter Fascinelli was in it, Lauren Ambrose, who was on Six She's Young. probably the biggest actress out of anybody that's on there as far as, like, credibility is right now. She was in Six Feet Under, but she's done a lot of movies as minor roles and got a lot of recognition for it. And you, like, out of all that cash... She was. She's the one that has the most established. And then uh, probably another one, like maybe more viewers or listeners would know, but uh, Donald Faison was in that movie too. Yes, like, he has a bit part as a band, as a musician in a house yeah, band. Donald, out there. that sounds familiar. He was on uh, Scrubs. So. Oh, okay. I know. But he was also in Clueless. He was the one that shaved his head. Oh, and then. Yeah. Couple of like uncredited appearances. Uh, Jenna Elfman, who was on yes. Norman Greg Brecken Meyer. Uh, yeah, Brecken Meyer's part of the band. He's a singer. Melissa Joan Hart, Clarissa. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a big one. I mean, he's not big now. He was a big child actor for one movie, which I almost added to the Stand By Me. Jerry O'Connell. Like, he got super big in the 90s again, and uh, then just yeah. Jerry McGuire. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry McGuire. Yeah, it's like. I, yeah. I call Can't Hollywood like the 90s Fast Times at Richmond High. Okay. Which is a fair. Yes. It's, yeah. it's taking a picture of that time, how the classes were, you know, as far as, like, the groups and the cliques and everything like that, like, mm-hmm. kind of like how fast time was. So is this, like, 99? 98 it came out. But, like, that came out, like, right before my junior year of high school. So it's, like, you hear snippets of, like, all these songs. Like, oh, man, like, like I have those CDs in my collection. Like, uh-huh. there might be only, like, 10, 15 seconds of each song. But, I mean, there's just constantly something yeah. for everybody. Everyone gets shit on in the movie. Everyone ends up coming out ahead. I mean, it's, yeah. like, it makes fun of the jocks, the nerds, the popular people the, yeah. like who the was theater. the main guy that was in that Ethan Embry and he was in he had another big soundtrack to another movie Empire Records he was one of the guys that was in that movie too I remember when that soundtrack came out it was really big deal yeah so I mean this was probably the perfect snapshot if you ever want to be like what was life like when I was like in kindergarten like kind of like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, I mean for, for, for people like Johnny they'd be like what was life like when the when like when uh-huh. this movie came out like yeah. that because there weren't really many like late 70s like movies like that they started getting nostalgic like the first one like on my uh, I was gonna like honorable mention would have been like American Graffiti yes I mean that movie was made like 15 to 20 years after like the yeah. heyday of the 50s and then you're making movies like 15 years later, like Days Confused from the 70s. It's like, yeah. where are we going to get like our nine? Like, what are we going to do? It'll be like, oh, this was the 90s. It's like, there's not anything like that now because, like, I think Can't Hardly Wait, you can't improve upon that. And, like, today it'd be desperate to go back and be like, oh, this is what my life was like 20 years ago. I'd be like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to tie back in the replacements and Paul Westerberg. So, Paul Westerberg did like a lot of the score also for singles, too, just so you know. Like, the background music, that's him. And I think he's actually in the movie, too. I don't remember what scene he was in, though. That movie in general, obviously, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, 
Is mud honey? Screaming trees. Yeah. But obviously also Chris Cornell's in the movie with <laughs> Eddie Vedder, Jeff Ament, and Stone. And so is uh, Lane Stanley's in it too at one point too. Singing, right. but no, he's actually in a scene at the apartment complex too. Okay. I that movie has so many so much great music to it. Oh yeah, killer music in my opinion to it. I mean, the Love Mongers is actually Heart, uh, Anne and Nancy Wilson. They do actually uh, a Led Zeppelin cover. Yes, I love when they do Led Zeppelin covers. Yes, they're really good at Led yes. Zeppelin covers. We talked about before too. They're really awesome, and that was my young adult life right there. Yeah, I mean that was what year was single though? Ninety two, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that was right after Pearl Jam was getting their big break and everybody else that, that's why that soundtrack did so well it's like I could even see like one of those, I mean because it came out in 92 but who do, I don't know when they would have it was about the Seattle yeah, yeah they said started filming on March 11th 91 and wrapped up March 24th 1991 so this was even before 10 yes. hit so, like, so this was like Eddie Vedder like like on the like, but even then like, they didn't know when they released 10 how, how big it was going to be they didn't know how big this movie was going to be Cameron Crowe didn't have he had to say anything out at that point and the movie was was a mediocre success. Um, obviously, the most infamous scene, you know, in a movie with the stereo and everything. You know, that that's on my number six. I'll knock that out now. And Red Hot Chili Peppers were on that soundtrack, and there was a lot of good music on that soundtrack. Like you said, Peter Gabriel, and um, there's an infamous song in that movie that has played an important part of my life. That to me, singles was a picture of my life. Like he's talking about, can't hardly wait. That was my young life. That was my young teenage years, you know, that, like, mm-hmm. going into adult, you know. And for that soundtrack to come out and that movie to come out, it, it was like, wow, this is a transition in, like, we going from, like, the pop 80s to, like, the, the grunge era. I always, that's why it's in my top 10, because I, I bought it on vinyl. I played the hell out of the CD when I had it. I'm like, I probably know that thing front to back, so... Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds, the music that made us.